Ante Up is your poker magazine dedicated to the everyday player and their poker rooms. Pick up a free copy at your favorite poker room nationwide each month. But Ante Up is much more than a magazine. Visit AnteUpMagazine.com daily for breaking news and each week download our award-winning poker cast. Join us on our action-packed poker cruises to exotic destinations. Ante Up, it's your poker magazine. From the Anti-Up headquarters in Tampa Bay, Florida, it's the Anti-Up PokerCast. And now, here are two guys who think they know how to play poker, Chris Casenza and Scott Long. It's October 25th, 2019. You're listening to the finest poker cast ever created. I'm Chris Casenza. <laughs> I'm Scott Long. I'm actually exhausted, but you wouldn't know it by my... Uh... My, uh, my, I don't know, conjecture? I don't know. What's the word I'm looking for here? Uh, I, I, you're using words beyond my vocabulary. So. Bu- bubbliness? How's that? that bubbliness. Wow. I know you know bubbles when you're staring at them in your past. Cold Calais in the house today. <laughs> I'm always excited when you go on a cruise and get out of my hair for eight weeks, eight days. So. <laughs> I'm all excited when I go on a cruise and you don't. So <laughs> That's the way it goes. <laughs> All right, well, Chris mentioned I uh, leave Saturday on the next Antioch uh, Poker Cruise. Very excited about this one, by the way. Eight nights, uh, great ports. we got uh, almost 100 passengers. Uh, like I said, a couple podcast listeners, at least a couple that I know of. Uh, a lot of our regulars as well. So it's going to be a fun trip. So, And, of course, Chris won't be there. So yeah, let's make I, it I, even better. I will drink your share of milk, or at least I will order your share of milk. Have you seen my new shirt? I don't know if you've seen it. I, it's, it's, uh, it says right on the front, it says, yes, I'll have your finest house white. And then <laughs> on the left-hand side is a big bottle of milk. <clears throat> That's pretty good. Yeah, my daughter got it for me for uh, my birthday. So Maybe we should get that up in the T Public Annie Up store. Yeah, maybe we should. We're selling all kinds of awesome shirts there. Vintage teas, baby. Uh, just be careful when you drink that milk, Chris. Uh, drink... Uh, drink responsibly, right? <laughs> well, I, I always drink 2% or less when I'm driving, so <laughs> never go the full vitamin D4%. So, <laughs> uh, All right, so anyhow, since it's an eight-night cruise, we I won't get back until uh, next uh, Sunday, Sunday, right? Yeah. So uh, the plan, of course, will be to record one of our uh, crappy cruise ship uh, shows on there and, and get it to Chris so we can upload it. Um, but if for some reason that doesn't uh, happen, we will. There will be a show. Just wait a little bit. But um, uh, but let me ask you, Chris. I haven't had this is. I like when we're live and raw here when we're having a conversation that we haven't had offline. But right, right. Uh, I was thinking last night um, on this cruise, um, we're bringing back something that was. Uh, it's been popular in the past until it started to wane. So maybe it'll be popular again. But we're doing our uh, poker strategy roundtable on this cruise. Um, we have a. Uh, a port stop um, that we can't open the poker room at all that day, but um, so we have some time in the morning. So, and for those of you who haven't been on a cruise, when we've had the the poker strategy roundtable, what it is, it's not really a class, but we get all the players together and they they share with us um, uh, something that they're struggling with. You know, maybe um, playing small pocket pairs or playing ace queen out of position or transitioning from cash games to tournaments, whatever it is, right? Yep. 
And, uh, and then Chris and I give our, our measly, horrible advice to them. But uh, the real beauty of it is that everybody gives their advice and helps everybody out. So it, uh, you know, it takes a village, right, Chris? Yeah, so. that's the way it goes. Um, so we're bringing that back. Um, so I'm thinking about recording that. And if the audio is good enough that you can hear the questions and hear the discussion, that might be an interesting show. What do you think? No. No. Don't, no. It, <laughs> no, no, no. Don't do it. It's going to be a nightmare. It won't sound right. I can't edit it. I'm not going to listen to the entire show to try to see where you're tapping the table with the microphone there and listening to all your pops and ums, and they're mumbling over there. We can't hear the question. You're not going to repeat the question, and no, just no, no. So you're a little on the fence on this thing. We have four podcast listeners who are going to this cruise. <laughs> Sit them around you in a quiet room on the day off or something and then do it. But don't do the round table. It will not work for a show. Gosh, that's why I asked. That's why I asked. So. <laughs> do not do it. We also have Elliot Schechter, um, our call the floor um, expert yeah. on this cruise as well, too. Yeah. Uh, who just wrote a uh, very good column for our upcoming issue um, on the Poker TDA Summit that we kind of talked about on the show before. But um, so, uh, <laughs> and the other thing too is you you're kind of making them think that there's a possibility that you won't do the show <laughs> or that it won't be. No, you are doing a show on the ship and you're getting it to me, even if you have to pull over and go to some bar or something and you're getting me a show and you're doing it on the ship. There's no if, ands or buts about that. No, I, I, I'm I'm pretty sure that that, that day off is uh, all the problem always is the scheduling, right? Because the people you want to get on the show are either playing or you're working or they're working or whatever. Right. So it's really tough to schedule it. But since we have a a day off there, um, as long as the round table doesn't go four hours, then uh, that, that'll be when we record. So. Yeah. so don't worry. We will get you a good quality shortened show uh, while I'm at sea. Yes, right. I expect this show to be better than the other past Atlantic shows and golf shows that we've done. This should be a pretty decent show because you got listeners. They want to they tell you their story. They want to tell you how they found out about us, how much they like you, how much they hate me. <laughs> Whatever it is, they're dying to tell their story. It's going to be a good show. Oh, man. All right. Uh, no pressure there, apparently. All right. <laughs> All right, so, we're not going to Coco Cay because we could have that conversation there with the wind and everything because, you know, that worked out yeah, well. Yeah, that was time. an awesome episode. It was epic. Really, really old callbacks here today, folks. So if you're brand new to the show, we're sorry. <laughs> All right, let's talk about real stuff. Uh, Daniel Negreanu is pondering a new tournament series, Chris, that would have some features that have been at the center of recent poker debates. Among them would be one event a day, no late registration, no re-entry, and the use of a shot clock. Uh, he also tweeted a possible schedule of events, which include a mix of games, which is nice to see, uh, with buy-ins uh, between 1500 to 10000 So I'm out, but, uh, but I like the concept, though. Uh, that's what the world needs, another poker series. <laughs> we don't have enough tours and series. This is probably just a series, though, right? Not a tour. Yeah, you know, I don't. It, it says again, new poker kind of, tour, but then it's a kind series, of nebulous. So. It's been a, just a couple of tweets. I think he's just spitballing, um, but it could turn into something. Um, and if it is popular, then it could become a tour. Um, I mean, I think right now he's just, uh, you know, like in the uh, the PDQ chicken test kitchen. You know? <laughs> hey, I went there the other day. It's pretty decent. I, I heard it's right by my wife's office. I haven't been there yet. Though. And you, you know, they're not a sponsor because we would have both said that's awesome. We've both been there a million times. So. 
I've, I've just, my, my grandson, I had him with me for the day, and he's like, oh, I really like PDQ. And I'm like, all right, do you know what PDQ stands for? And he's like, no, but I love their chicken. And I'm like, all right, let's go. And he, he loved it. It was pretty good. So I'm happy with them. Anyway, go ahead. I, I just think that's, I think we don't need another tour. If it's a series, that's fine, but another tour is just, it's just well, too much. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. You're right. We don't, we don't need more of that. But what I think is interesting about this and, and, um, why I'm rooting for it is, you know, we've talked a lot about it on the show because of these debates about whether reentry is killing it for recreational players, you know, um, late registration. People are waiting until the last minute to jump in. So, you, know, you got people like playing four handed for three hours. All these problems that the poker community are, um, uh, grappling with. And we've talked about how hard it is to change those things, right? Because, if you don't allow late entry, if you don't allow re-entry, um, then you can't put those big fat right. guarantees on it and then people don't come, right? Right. So uh, what I like about this is, I mean, he's obviously the biggest name in poker now, I think, right? And uh, so he's got some respect if he can pull this off. Um, and then so people will actually play in these events and see how these things work. And if they decide, hey, I kind of like this, I don't need that big guarantee, I like the fact that you show up on time and you play, um, and uh, my one fifteen hundred dollar bullet is not going to be overrun by Danny Nogano's twenty seven fifteen hundred dollar bullets, right? Um, then that might make it easier for other uh, poker rooms, poker tours, poker everywhere to um, inst- institute some of these changes that we've all talked about, and I think a lot of us believe are, are important going forward. So. To that extent, uh, that's why I'm rooting for it. Um, now, I wish the buy-ins were a little bit less. I mean, obviously, he's a pro, so, I mean, the 1500 is probably his, his his thought for a low buy-in tournament. <laughs> but that, that's, a, that's a main event for most of our listeners, I think, on the show here. So, um, so I, I, unfortunately, I don't think you're going to get a lot of the recreational players, which is what's driving these discussions, right, is how to keep recreational players in these games. Uh, unfortunately, they're not going to be able to experience it at, the, at these price points, I don't think. So, but you know, maybe maybe if it's successful, then maybe he does something somewhere else with uh, buy-ins of a uh, hundred and fifty to one thousand, you know, and then then let the let us um, steerage class players get a uh, sample of it. But um, so I don't know. I, I'm rooting for it, but you know me, I'm always the uh, glasses uh, three fourths full. Kind of guy. <laughs> well, the first thing that confuses me here is that I'm. Um, I'm shocked that you don't think you're the most popular poker player <laughs> on the planet. Well, it's only because I just got on Instagram yesterday. So. Yeah, I know. You're on the gram, as you call it, yeah, which I don't think jam. anyone calls it that. <laughs> Making the gram my jam now. The gram. Nobody calls it that. that right? And the definition means it's old if you call it the gram. And it's not old. It's for young people. So just get off of it already. You shouldn't even be on it. <laughs> uh, well, it's interesting because these debates – you know, they're debates because there are people who don't want these things. So I don't know. It sounds like you're just placating the ones who do want it. It's it's the way he wants it to be, so he's making this series. That's the way they do it. You know? Placating is kind of a strong word. I mean, you don't have to play in this thing, right? You know. I mean, you're, just, you're finding a series that everyone's going to be happy that, hey, we all agree on this. It's like going to a Rush concert, right? Nobody likes Rush <laughs> unless you actually go and you're a fan of the band. So same thing here. I mean, people aren't may not be a fan of the series. You're already cut out recreational players with a $1,500 buy-in as a minimum. 
So you've cut out recreational players, which are the right. ones that are bitching about the whole re-entry thing and the late late registration. So it's kind of counterintuitive that way, I think. Exactly. Uh, no, hey, that's a good point. That's why I said I hope if it works, then they'll come out and, and do a different version of it at a appropriate price point for, for, the, for that crowd, our, our crowd, right? Yeah, I hope. That's what I'm saying. For us. But that never happens, then yeah, then this is, this is just academic, I think. because I just hope it doesn't become a tour because that's not what we need now. We don't well, need another you know, tool. Right. I, I think I think what we need is for, for players to see these things, decide they like them, if they like them, um, and then for the existing tours to incorporate, incorporate them. It. Exactly. Or that, that would be the best case scenario here. So, yeah, but, I like that idea. We'll see so what that's what he's doing. He's setting up the high, you know, like the, the level A version of the series and then says, hey, be free to take this business model and tweak it to your tour, but follow these same sort of rules and see what happens. Of course, the guarantees go away then, because I don't think no one... Well, no yeah, but, I mean, here's the other way of looking at it, right? Because we talked about how the recreational players aren't playing, but maybe the recreational players don't need to play these things. I mean, I think that you're right. They're the ones that, that, that are complaining about these things. Uh, at the same time, they're not willing to come off of the big guarantees that they want, right? Yeah. It, it's actually, I think, the pros that you need to sell on some of these things, because they're the ones at the advantage the way things are now right mm-hmm. so if uh, maybe they play them and say you know what i actually enjoyed it uh, it was a freeze out <laughs> i didn't have to reach in my pocket and bring four bullets out um and you get them on board then maybe that's what's needed i, I you know you can look at it from two different angles i guess so the other part that's interesting is he wants to guarantee it's a one-day event but you buy in for 10k the last thing you want to do is have a turbo you know yeah, yeah. it's there's a lot of well, contradiction but, but, in this one event a day. So, I mean, one thing I, I, I cut out here just because I didn't want to confuse it is uh, you can late reg for a tournament if you were in a, an existing tournament. So I don't think these are all uh, – I don't think it's when he's saying these are start and end one day. Oh, okay, just one event a it's day. It's only one event on that day, so you don't have to pick between the 11 a.m., the 1 p.m., and the 7 p.m. Oh, okay. Try to play all three, right? Either you wake up on a Tuesday, and it's uh, Omaha 8 day. Oh, okay. Omaha 8, then – you know, you're watching Unsolved Mysteries with Robert Stack all day. It could be read as one event a day, like it's going to end that day, but yeah. it's not one day event. Okay, so that's cool. Right. All right, right. Cool. very good. All right, we'll see. We'll see if it works out, and if he, you know, he's got a lot of power. I mean, he's a lot of people are on his side. He he can make things happen. So if it happens, we'll see how it panders out. You know, pans out good. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, uh, Chris Smitten recently won the Def Poker Australia Championship, but according to uh, CardsChat.com, some of his fellow competitors later expressed frustration that Smitten wasn't deaf enough to enter. Smitten says he is profoundly deaf in his right ear and slightly deaf in his left ear, uh, but no one involved running the tournament ever questioned his eligibility to play. Uh, Def Poker Australia says it's looking into the situation and hopes to come to a conclusion that is satisfactory to all involved. You know, uh, I read the story, and there's one line in there that uh, makes me say this guy didn't do anything wrong, if it's true. And he says that he, when he was registering, he asked someone who took his money or whatever from the tournament. I, there's a line there where he says, you know, is it okay if I play? Because, and he explains his situation where he's really deaf in one ear and slightly deaf in the other. And they said it was fine. Nobody said, no, you can't play. Now, I don't know if they're going to have machines there to test people's, you know, hearing ability or not to prove these things in the future because of this or whatever. But the guy asked, and if he is profoundly deaf in one ear and he's slightly deaf in the other ear, it doesn't say that you're 
you know, you, he said he asked. Now, I don't know. They haven't fleshed that part of the story out. I mean, if, if he actually went up to somebody, a tournament director or a person taking the money, whoever's involved in it, and he's like, hey, you know, I can't hear in this ear and, and, or whatever. But they, then there's another line that says that he just pointed to his ear. There's a marking on his ear that says he's a mute. So I'm not sure what happened here, to be honest. I don't know. But I, yeah. I, we're just talking yeah, about more grand. another one of those. Let's wait and see what the, uh, this, um, I don't want to say, investig- it's not an investigation, but what, uh, how it all shakes out from the organization. Um, but, but I think it's pretty obvious here that there are, there wasn't a uh, standard of uh, deafness or, or ability to hear that was established by this organization. Um, or it was just assumed by players that um, you had to be, I don't know, completely deaf. I mean, I don't want to get into the whole percentage of semantics. I, I don't understand that. I don't, I mean, I'm not educated on that, right? So, yeah. But it, it, it does seem to me that that's what it is. It's that... Uh, you know, the old uh, pornography thing. I, I know it when I see it, right? Yeah. So I think a lot of these players, um, at least the ones that are complaining, um, obviously are suggesting that uh, that to be eligible to play in here, you should be deaf in both ears. Um, but if that was never specifically stated in the rules or anything like that, then um, that's, that's when stuff like this happens, right? So um, it didn't seem to me that this guy was trying to take advantage of it. Um, based on what we what we know, um, but maybe he was. Um, but but it, it again, it's a good reminder now that that you need to. If, if this is going to be a situation that you need to have a. Uh, it needs to be clearly stated what, how you qualify and how you don't qualify to participate. Yeah, you know, you really have to be part of the community to understand what they mean by deaf. You know, right. do, do they mean that you you know if you're partially deaf. Are they taking deaf to the extreme and saying, "Well, you're not deaf," you know, or you are deaf? You're you're a, there's a gradation of the deafness, and so uh, the thing is, you're right. I think they need to be upfront with everything they say. You must be completely deaf or whatever, and and then uh, if that's the that's fine. But if the guy did what he said he did, then he did nothing wrong, you know. You know, I mean, there are, there are people who are legally blind, but they can still see colors and shapes, you know. what I mean, but if there was right. a blind yeah. tournament. Or what that what that definition is exactly. Right? So that's what and has to happen. Unfortunately, what's going to happen now is it, once you establish that um, that rule, now it, the whole thing is going to be a little bit more angry going forward. Unfortunately, I think right because now now you've got that standard set. Maybe you've got some people arguing about that standard, right? Um, and then anytime you add a rule, I mean, think about this with a TDA. Anytime you add a rule. Then you've got a whole bunch of uh, Bobby Brady uh, school patrol folks out there, right? That <laughs> are trying to enforce it at all times, and it just makes it makes the play angrier, right? Um, or frustrating, or annoying, or whatever kind of adjective you want to throw at it. But and that's unfortunate. But uh, I will say I'll be interested to talk to Elliot about this on the cruise next week too, because he um, uh, he does host uh, deaf tournaments up in uh, Hollywood, Toledo. So. He's uh, very familiar uh, with with this organization and and how it runs. So I'll be interested to get his uh, his take on the. Well, if nothing else, there are some positives from this. I mean, one, it'll refine the the community's you know approach to hey, who can enter, who can't, that kind of thing. But also, it's bringing some awareness to it. Oh I mean, yeah. I mean, I didn't know this existed. 
uh, to be honest with you. I mean, I think I vaguely remember running a note in the magazine somewhere when, you know, because there was one in Florida, apparently, at least one. And I, I didn't, you know, I just don't remember that. They had them in Italy. I read the article and it was like, well, I, I didn't even realize that there this was out there, you know. And uh, so it's bringing awareness to it, too. So hopefully they're not too bitter about this, that the, the guy comes out unscathed and then the, the you know, industry or whatever comes out better for it. So, Right. All right, hey, one more thing, uh, an input on the show real quickly I want to mention. Uh, we, we talked last week about the secret shopping, right? Yeah. And we and we suggested, uh, hey, maybe Elliot or Matt Savage will uh, let us know. Well, as soon as the show was posted, I got a text from Matt Savage uh, about it. So, and first of all, I want to let me know he was yeah. in the hospital here, so I hope he's feeling a little bit better um, going forward. But uh, this is what he, um, you know, we asked whether um, casinos do secret shopper programs, right? So uh, here was a text I got from him. He said, on the secret shopper idea, I used, I used to travel to local card rooms and see what they were doing. It's how I started the TDA because all the rules were different. He says, for the dealers, I have some players send me info about dealers daily. So yeah. probably not an official secret shopper, but the same concept. That, uh, Just beware. There are people out there reporting. Know. Yeah, the there, there are people out there watching you. Yeah. And, uh, Big brother. Reporting back. Just like Bobby Brady. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, any updates? Uh, Jackson Rancheria Casino in California will award Annie Up Poker Cruise Package for the April 9th sailing, plus 1K for expenses to the grand prize winner of a drawing on December 20th. Players can earn drawing tickets and live poker games until December 20th, with numbers being drawn every hour starting at 3 p.m., uh, with a different prize each hour. For more information, visit AnnieUpCruises.com. All right, so this is an interesting listener spotlight here. You know, yeah, each week like we, yeah, each week, each week we spotlight a listener who emails us at podcastandandyatmagazine.com. And if they haven't won something from us in the past year, just like we do with Call the Foreign Hand of the Week, we'll send them something cool. It comes from our favorite first name, Jonathan Odenbacher. Uh, he says, at my casino, you, if you get your aces cracked, you get to spin the big wheel with 38 spaces. 18 of those spaces are for 50 bucks, 18 are for 100, one is for 250, and one's for 400. So the average value is $90.79. He says he's playing one, two, no limit hold, and he has ace, ace, and late position, and he limps. The small blind calls and the big blind checks. The flop is king, seven, tray. Small blind bets six bucks. Big blind and I both call. The turn is a seven. Small blind checks. Big blind bets 15. I call. Small blind calls. River's a king. Small blind bets 42. Big blind folds. I called and lost to the obvious king. But I spun the wheel and got 100 bucks. Doing it this way, I lost $2 plus $6 plus $15 plus $42 in the hand for 65 bucks. Assuming an average wheel spin value of 90 bucks and these bet sizes, which are around pot-sized bets, with two other players, playing ace-ace this way would net me 25 bucks on average. With the aces crack prom- promo, I think the optimal strategy depends on position, opponents, and blind sizes. As I was in late position with a few players behind me and the blinds all being tight... I think trying to get my aces correct was the optimal strategy, though not by much. I still only net $25 on average with those bet sizes, and even one re-raise somewhere in the hand would make it a losing decision. If I were in earlier position, with even moderately aggressive players behind me, raising and trying to get more money in the pot would be better. Of course, I also have to win the pot, which isn't a guarantee, and I also have to consider that half of the pot with two players or a third of the pot with three players is money I'm putting in and is a net of zero. If I were playing a higher stakes game like 2-5, two 
then the value of winning a pot should definitely be more than $90 of getting cracked. On the other hand, it's really fun to spin that wheel. <laughs> the very next hand, someone in early position raised with ace-ace, everyone folded, and he raked in a music three bucks in the blinds. What a fool. <laughs> this is interesting because, and I'm sure you have lots of thoughts on this, but uh, for me, you know, he's running the risk of losing more than he could win in that 90 bucks. You know, I mean, it's an average, so he would probably win 100 likely could win 50 and there's a slight chance he wins more on one spin than he could lose in the hand but are you gonna like now look at all the stacks behind you and go okay well that i've got 500 in front of me this guy's got 600 he's behind me to act do i really want to limp here and have this guy shove on the end i've already put in more than 100 you know i i think that he didn't really entertain the losing the amount enough in this situation i think but i don't know what do you think yeah um a couple things uh one um this morning i was thinking about this and i was thinking in the in the vein of the normal aces crack wins a rack promotion yeah, which yeah. almost every room has right yeah. um this one obviously is a little bit different because now you're not guaranteed to win a rack but you have the potential winning four racks so uh, the math gets a little bit more complicated and i'm glad uh, I, I took it out of the show notes but he actually did the whole algebra or whatever it is. I don't know. I'm not a math guy, right? Yeah, yeah. They come up with this 90, 70, uh, 90, 79 average value, right? So that makes it a little bit more difficult here because you have a – because you, you, you – in the Aces crack wins a rack, you you know what you're getting, right? You're yeah. getting 100 bucks. No matter so, what. It's more no more, no less. You're always getting right. it. So in that scenario – and we'll get back to Jonathan's here in the middle – but in that scenario – I think the proper play in a 2-4 limit or 3-6 limit, maybe a 4-8 limit, but I think you're getting too high at that point. But in those low limit limit games, that strategy is always to just limp and... Check call. Check call. Yes, uh, because you, you're never going to get a pot or almost rarely going to get a pot that exceeds $100. So now in that, so in that game, you want your aces to get cracked, right? Now, so that promotion gets a little more difficult when you make it 1-2 or 1-3 no limit now because now your bet sizes aren't fixed. Um, maybe you're there for four hours with the same group of people, so you've got an idea what the bet sizes are. That makes it a little bit easier, right? But in that scenario, um, I kind of fall back on um, just trying to win the pot. Uh, I, I always think that's, in theory, the better strategy in those cases because there's so much unknowns, right? You don't know how much money is going to get in that pot um, and um, and whether you're going to win or lose. Um, so the one advantage in that is that, um, like like every O'Malley's move, it seems like uh, we're trying to make that difficult call on the river, right? Yeah. Um, and this just adds one more piece to make it a little bit easier because you know you know if you lose you're guaranteed getting that hundred bucks you might have still lost money on the hand right but you're guaranteed to get that hundred and if you win the hand then you're guaranteed of winning way more right so that helps so this one again but it's so much more interesting i like it for a lot of reasons i mean i, I again watching those people spin the wheel at hamul uh casino in september at our annie up event was it was fun i see why people want to spin it I mean, the reason the Wheel of Fortune is the entire game show <laughs> just spinning a wheel, right? Yeah. Um, so, and, you know, you have some fun with that. And uh, and I like that Jonathan mentioned because he, he showed he's human here, right? He's done all the math. He's trying to make the right decision. At the same time, he admits he's there for fun, right? And, uh, hey, it's fun to spin that wheel one way or the other, right? 
So it gets a little bit more difficult because now you've got a it's a little less than a fifty percent chance of only getting fifty bucks. You don't get that whole rack. Man. Right. You right. And you're playing no limit. Um, um, so again, I, I think my, my strategy here would be to um, go into the hand trying to win the hand. Now, as the hand plays out, you might get in the spots where maybe your head's up um, or something else where – or you're getting to the turn or river where the hand's coming to a close and you've got better math uh, in terms of pot size. You might have to make a different decision. Um but uh, it's the it's the possibility of two fifty or four hundred here that complicates that I think so um, you know but you can't count on those those, those are two spaces out of thirty eight yeah it's a, it's literally a roulette wheel and those are yeah. green right and you're exactly. betting red or black and then also if what red or black doesn't get your money back too on one of them it's it's not it's it's tough I can see that he's saying it's worth ninety dollars because he takes all four numbers adds them up and divides them by thirty eight and he has ninety bucks but really you got to take the two fifty and four hundred out of there it's such a remote possibility that actually you have you know a fifty fifty shot of only getting a hundred. So you basically have a shot of getting 75 here. Yeah, it's really 75 is probably your working number, even though the 90, 79 is the actual number, right? Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of this is like, um, I never watch the, the um, deal or no deal on TV, but when I, I see it at an arcade, I play it all the time because I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I love about it is I, I try to guess what the banker is going to offer me at each time. And it, it's the same thing here, right? It's, it's dividing up the numbers, figuring out what the... Uh, the appropriate number is, and then trying to cheat you out a little bit, right? <laughs> yeah. But but every time that you get rid of a few more briefcases, you get to the point where desperation sets in, and you realize that even though it's a bad deal, it's a better deal than no deal, right? So. Yeah, if he, if he had spun here. the wheel and won fifty bucks, he wouldn't have sent this email in probably. Right. You so I mean? so using that kind of math, I mean, that's where you get back to that seventy-five, and if. if you get lucky and you hit the 250 or 400. Hey, that's fantastic. But uh, factoring those into your play, I think, is is as you said, um, I, I wouldn't do it. It's mathematically correct, but um, I, I think it has a potential of getting you in a little bit more trouble than if you were a little bit more conservative with that number. It's yeah, like, it's I, worse than roulette because if you walk up to a roulette wheel, how many times do you see red and black? But the fact is that one of those doesn't get your money back. The other, right. you know what I mean, the yeah. other one does, and that's and so it makes it absolutely worse than roulette. Um, and now, what? Let me ask you this: What happens? Not you, but actually, Jonathan. What happens if the small blind has a bigger stack and bets ninety on the river? Right. And now you're yeah. going to fold after you invested all this money, hoping to get your aces cracked. Now you're going to fold, and you don't get that chance at the spin. Or you're going to call, and now you've put in a hundred and forty. Right. Excellent point. Your your aces have to be cracked. You can't. You can't fold them. You right? can't fold them and go, oh, I want to spin the wheel because I had. No, you can't. See, now you're going to sit there and call 90 knowing you lost and hope you spin the wheel, or you fold and say, oh, I just lost 42. If I played this optimally, I would have won three like the sucker at the end of this email. You know, I, I think that that's it, it wasn't right. You take those bets, and yeah, a pot size bet is fine, but people don't bet pot size all the time. They try to bluff you on the end with a big bet, or they try to trick you, make you think they're bluffing with a big bet, and you call so you win the pot, and you don't win the pot. Because the guy really did have the king, and now you're down 160, and you don't even get to spin the wheel. So I, I think yeah, that this I, math I think, is interesting, but it's not fair. Fantastic point. I think that goes back to why this promotion is difficult to navigate and no limit. It's, mm-hmm. it's much easier navigated than limit. You know, when you know 
Um, obviously, you don't know how many bets and raises it will be, but you'll know the absolute cap <laughs> that you can invest in that hand. Yep. Um, and that that's the scenario with no limit. I mean, particularly if you're all deep at the table too. If you're deep at the table, that that all the math goes out for me at that point because now I want to I want to get your stack. Your stack is going to be guaranteed four hundred dollars for me rather than a one in thirty eight chance of getting four hundred if I lose. So, um, uh, all all the more reason for me at that point just to, to play it play it straight and then just know that I have this thing as a, an insurance policy that if I happen to get um, if I I'm, end up losing at the end of the hand for whatever reason, uh, playing it properly, uh, then I know I'm going to get at least fifty bucks back. So, all right, with a chance of four hundred. But interesting discussion, though. But yeah. I, I like how ma- poker players immediately go to the math, and then that's fantastic. But. <laughs> the binary bunch is back. <laughs> hey, we get to complete O'Malley's move today. Here comes part one. We'll refresh our memories, and we'll see you on the other side. Welcome to another O'Malley's Move. I'm Malcolm O'Malley. This week we are seated in our regular $1, $2, No Limit Hold'em home game. This is only the third hand of the night, and we've already doubled our stack on the first hand to $400 when our turned set of kings took down our opponent's slow-played, flopped set of tens. He has since rebought, and we're eight-handed. The blinds post, under the gun folds, and the plus one makes the standard raise to $8. This is the player that we just doubled through, and based on what we know about him, he can get a bit spewy after losing a big pot. However, he rarely stone-cold bluffs, even when he's tilting. It's folded to us in the hijack with the jack of spades, ten of spades. This is too strong a hand to let go here. Plus, we're bound to get some chips off the plus one if we hit something. We call. The button is the only other player that calls. With $27 in the pot, the flop is the jack of hearts, ten of clubs, four of hearts. The plus one wastes little time in betting $20 into the pot. I like this hand. I'm not that concerned about the hearts, and if he has something like aces, kings, or queens, we can probably get his entire stack here. We raise it to $50, going for value. The button folds, but the plus one calls. The pot is $127, and the turn is the king of hearts. The plus one very quickly shoves for his remaining 142. So, it's to us. What's the move? All right, call me crazy, and you often do. Uh, <laughs> but this is screaming ace-king to me, um, uh, with maybe the ace of hearts. Uh, that hand totally fits the description of this player. Uh, spewing after a loss, but not bluffing. Um, in no way narrowing our opponent down to one specific ham. Uh, but I do like our spot here, and we have the chips to make this call, so I'm going to call. Yeah, definitely a call. Uh, even if we were somehow behind, we still have outs, so... Uh, it could be a made flush that's vulnerable, but it seems likely he's got the ace of hearts. Maybe ace jack, maybe the Casenza. Who knows? It's possible. <laughs> it's possible. I don't know. I, I might make a call here. Here comes part two. Hello again. Are we going to give him his starting stack back on the third hand of the night? Are we ahead here? I mentioned he could have kings, and that's still possible. But could he have some kind of a draw? Aces with the ace of hearts? Queens with the queen of hearts? It's also possible he has something like ace-queen with a heart. I don't think he already has the flush. Knowing what I know about this player, he probably would have shoved the flop in his mental state with the flush draw. I think there's a good possibility we're ahead here. We make the call. Our opponent tables the ace of hearts, jack of clubs. We're in an even better position than we thought. We table our two pair, 
the river is a harmless six of spades, and our opponent calls it quits for the night after just three hands. Did we exploit this a little too much? Until next time, I'm Malcolm O'Malley, pondering, should we have taken it a little easier on this guy to keep him in the game tonight? He'll be back next time, but I still feel bad. Sort of. I hope to see you on the felt. Ha! <laughs> No, I only feel bad well, when I deal a player a bad beat, and even then, not really all that much. <laughs> it's not your you... fault. <laughs> you know, sometimes you get cards, sometimes you don't. So uh, this isn't on you, O'Malley. Um, and let's not forget that he shoved with a when a king hit uh, when he had a jack, a pair of jacks. So, yeah. you know, he didn't have to do that either. So, I mean, it's not like you exploited him here. He he made a play that he thought was right. It turned out to be a mistake, and you had the goods, and so I, I'm not feeling bad. Maybe somebody else would feel bad, but no. And it, it always I'm feels. I guess it's not Chris, though. <laughs> it always feels good to make the right move, though, and guess the right hand. He dodged bullets, but uh, it was the right call. So I'm happy for him. All right, it's time for the advanced poker training.com hand of the week. Send your hands for situations to podcast at anyupmagazine.com. If you haven't won something from us in the past year, you'll get a free membership to advanced poker training, the world's number one poker training site. Alex Craig with his first hand of the week. Chris? Yay! All right, so this is from a 1 2 game at Red Rock in Las Vegas. It's about midnight on a Saturday during football season with mostly old guys at the table who are advising each other to sports bet the same way they play pocket jacks. Bet huge on the Pats at negative 550. <laughs> uh, villain in the small blind just sat down and has 300. It's his uh, third hand of the night. He folded his big blind on the limp flop last hand. He's around 30 years old, and we have no reason to assume he's not reasonable. I'm about 40 years old and sitting uh, under the gun plus one. The other gun limps, and we look down at the king of hearts, king of diamonds. Why the age updates? I don't know why it matters how old people are. I... Plus, I want to know somebody who's 40, what they think is old. I'm just curious. Well, yeah, well, it's, well, it's true. Uh, but no, I, I, I often wonder that myself, but I also think it, it's a good window into how people analyze their opponents, right? Yeah. Um, and there are some opponents that, uh, for age, is a big indicator for them in their in their mind. It may not be correct, but in their mind, it helps them, right? They've um, same with um, race, uh, gender. All those things come up in our hands of the week, right? And um, sometimes the people qualify by saying, hey, I'm not trying to be sexist, but here's a reason why. Um, or I, I'm not anti-Asian, but, you know, my experience has been that they play this way, right? So yeah. so whether it's right or wrong, I, I think it's a good window into how um, our listeners look at other players. And then that's good for us to know when we're sitting there that, you know, something we don't think, it may may not think it's important at all. The guy two seats over uh, ab- about us might think is incredibly important, right? Mm. So. All right. Well, what did you say happened again? I forgot. All right. Uh, undergun limps, and we are undergun plus one with the king of hearts, king of diamonds. All right. Well, given you're 40 years old, uh, <laughs> this is how about, I would play about as a 40, 40 years old. Yeah, I, I would. I, he's about 40, so I, that means he's about 42. So. <laughs> I'm going to say, as a roughly 40-year-old guy, uh, you should probably uh, raise whatever the average table raise was and maybe add a couple of bucks to it. So if they've been raising the 10, I'd probably make it 12. If they've been raising the 15, I'd probably make it 17. But if they're if they're making it 6, I might go to 10. Because 6 is probably, 8 is probably not enough. But somewhere between 12 and 15 probably is what the raise would be. So that's what I would do. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, at this point, I'm not factoring in ages or uh, sports bets or any of this other stuff yet <laughs> in the hand. Uh, that may came, come into play later on. But right now, I'm um, I'm playing this way I should and putting in a pretty healthy raise here. And you're right, a little bit, a little sweetener on top. So, um, and one, two, I'm normally opening for 10. So let's make 12. Is that what you said, too? Yeah, I think 12 to yeah. 15. Oh. So, I mean, if you were a 20 something whippersnapper, you might make it like 30 to go. But you're 40 something, so let's make it 12. Yeah, you got you got you got to act your age. Not yeah, your act your age, not your shoe size. <laughs> <laughs> all right, our hero raises the twelve, so we're all in the same uh, boat right now. Let's see what happens as it goes around. Uh, fold to the small blind who calls, and the other a gun call. So uh, three handed, and we got position. Uh, and surprisingly, crazy. we have position. Yeah. As I'm like, What's on? That's nice, right? That's nice. Uh, pod is squeakly thirty five bucks, and the flop is uh, queen seven four two spades and one club. Okay. And it checks to us. Well, you know, we're always trying to protect hands. We're we want to get value for our hands. There's no reason to not bet. We raise pre flop. We have control. Not going to get tricky here. We have an over pair. It's a pretty decent flop for us. We don't have any blockers, but the fact that is we have an over pair, and we shouldn't always just assume someone's going to have the absolute flush draw that comes up on the flop. So. I'd make a nice little bet here, two-thirds the pot, maybe 25, maybe 20, 25, something like that. Probably 25. Yeah, yeah. I think anywhere from 25 up to the pot is is um, sufficient here. I mean, uh, we want, want those folks to make a mistake if, if they have clubs. Um, I also, what I like about this, this flop, and we don't talk about this uh, enough, is that a queen is there, and we have kings. So yeah, yeah. queen is much more likely to be in somebody's hand than if this was a three four seven hand right something like that so um i i do want a a queen to come along and i want them to put as much money in this pot as they're willing to with that queen right now so um so yeah i, I think 25 is going to be on the small end for me um I, i'm looking at maybe 30 but uh, anywhere from 25 to 35 i think is, is the right bet anything less than 25 is a problem i think so yeah i mean i don't know i mean what, when we were when we were first taking up poker back in the day, and we were listening to like uh, what was that tall guy named Phil? What was his name? Oh Gordon, yeah, Phil uh, Gordon. Phil Gordon. Right. Yeah. He would have a. I think his book, if I remember correctly, would say something like, "On the flop, you're thinking two thirds, uh, and then on the turn, you're thinking maybe half, and then on the river, you're thinking maybe a third. These are the kind of the amounts that made it proper for like hands to not get there." So if it's about a $35 pot, two-thirds of that is 20. So, you know, so if you, you know, all right, so if maybe it's 20.5, but you can't bet that. So you could right. bet maybe 20, and that's still around two-thirds. So I don't think it's, I don't think it's too dangerous. Uh, I don't think, I think betting pot is way too much. Uh, so well, again, it depends. We don't know what our opponents have. But if somebody's sitting there with a queen, 35 not too much because they're going to call. And yeah, they might yeah, yeah. So, um, and if they don't have a queen... Um, there's not much else that that, that they're going to be interested on this flop that that we're excited about. I mean, obviously we don't want them to have a set of sevens or a set of fours. Um, so the only other thing would be either uh, obviously the flush draw or somebody getting a little frisky with a five six, right? So, well, uh, you know, here's the deal: there are guys in the blinds. Somebody could be playing an a seven suited, you know, and just calling because that's what they do for twelve dollars, and they're already in for two. They're going to call ten more. And then they hit the seven. They don't believe you. They think you have ace-king. They don't believe you. 
So they check to you because you took control. You bet. Now they call and don't believe you. If you bet 35, you force those guys probably to fold. But if you bet 20, they might call. And you're well, in that scenario, are you going to fold? If you really believe that we have ace-king there and you've got ace-7, are you going to fold for 35? Because right now we're, we've got you beat. Well, I don't know. I think you're more willing to take a stab at making two pair on the turn or, you know what I mean, for 20 bucks and making a mistake with a seven oh, yeah. in your hand. Oh, yeah. Hey, trust me. I would like a smaller <laughs> bet in that case. But if, I, if I've kind of narrowed you down to an ace-king here, uh, my ace-7 is pretty darn good right now. And I'm going to call that pot size bet. I might even raise that pot size bet. So, so again, from our perspective, we're hoping that our opponents are sitting on ace queen, ace seven, ace four here. Well, see, that's the thing, Scott. See, you're, here's the deal nobody narrows you down to ace king after one street. That's the whole reason why people float you on these things because they want to get more information. They're going to see you check the turn and know you do it. Now you have ace king. They don't know that on the flop. So they might fold for 35, but they might call and see what you do on the turn and then steal it on the river because they're out of position. All I'm saying is that if I have A7 and you put 20 out there, I'm willing to call. If I have A7 and you put 35 out there, then I don't think you have Ace-King and then you, I fold. I, I just we're probably well, spending I way too much time. I think that you have nothing, and why are you betting so much? I mean, that, that the whole so much thing is kind of cliche, but it's accurate in a lot of places. But it usually right? happens on the river, that that conversation. I, the fir, on the first street, a lot of people will bet. You know, they're playing PLO, they're betting pot because there's so many cards involved, but I mean, I don't know. I, I, it's a good conversation to have. I just think that yeah. 20 isn't that bad, but I think 25 is the sweet spot. I, I, I don't know. And I, I think if you have a piece of it, you might call 20, but I don't know if you're going to call 35 just with a piece of it. Right. You're hoping how, about, how about we say 25 to 30, somewhere in that range where we're super comfortable with, and then we have the uh, – you're more comfortable you, – more comfortable adding 20 to 25 in there and i'm more comfortable adding 30 to 35 yeah there you go that's the beauty of this game is everybody has their own spectrum you're probably all right yeah somewhere in the middle of it you're good to go all right very good so we we figure out what the bullseye here is (laughs) there we go and our hero bets 25 so yay wasted like four hours yay uh small blind call calls but the under the gun folds so we're heads up pot is squiggly 85 now the turn is the five of clubs, so the board now is queen, seven, four, five, two spades, and now two clubs on the board as well. Yeah, now we got to put the hammer down. This this is a good Clark card for us, but it's also some sort of backdoor card, so we don't like that. I don't, I'm ruling out six, eight, and six, yeah, three. Yeah, I mean, that's, I'm just, that's a little crazy. That's just yeah. not happening. So Our opponent does check to us, so it is our Okay, honest. yeah, I figured. Um, all right, so the pot's 85, so we talked about half the pot was about 42. So 45, there's a lot of frustration. draws, so maybe a little more. So maybe 50-55 just because of the draws that are out there now. Yeah. Again, I, I, I like the higher end of that, so I'm at 50, maybe even 55. Um, certainly nothing less than 45 at this point. Yeah, uh, yeah. But, uh, all right, good. Well, our hero best 45, so look at this. This usually never uh... – when we all agree on stuff, it never it never turns out well. So I don't know what's yeah, going on. Yeah, I was going to say, well, there'll be a, a pothole in the river, I'm sure. Right? <laughs> um, all right, well, uh, the small blind raises us to 145. Hmm. Wow. Well, I'm ruling out a set. Uh, I think a set would have... See, here's the deal. with People try to tell you that when they check raise it's because they're saying if I'm, I don't care if you checked on that street because I can my hand can sustain it but to me it feels like he's not believing us and he's trying to bluff us off this or 
I don't know, maybe he has a queen, but it just feels like, you know, this bet doesn't make sense to me now. It doesn't make sense. I don't, I don't know what it is, but it it doesn't make sense. With, with the the spades that are out there and the clubs that are out there, and yes, the straight cards, but because somebody can make a four-card straight here if they had ace, you know, ace something. But anyway, because um, we could easily just been raising with, say, ace, six of spades and just there's no reason not to think that we couldn't do that it's a one-two game anything can happen in vegas so um that's an interesting hand actually yep you know what i mean so all i'm saying is i don't believe a check raise here i believe it's somebody who doesn't think we really have anything wanting us to bet one more and now he's bet so he's probably got a queen and i'm not believing it and i'm shoving I'm not, yeah, I'm not going to call. I'm going to shove. Besides, what did I start with? I mean, I just, well, again, yeah, we don't have any uh, uh, stack sizes for either one. So that, but, but the villain it. had 300. So that's who this person is. So, oh yeah, uh, you're right. I'm sorry. You're right. So yeah. I guess that's effective stack there. No matter if if we have more. So if we have less, I'm definitely shoving. But to oh me, yeah, at that point. So yeah, you're right. Now that we, I, I forgot that he said 300. So at this point, the villain's already put in uh, 37, almost. Almost two hundred, a little less than that. So he only has one hundred and fifteen left. So yeah, and and we yeah, I'm not gonna just call. Yeah, you can't right. just call. Sure. We're the raising or folding, and I'm not folding this hand. I have an overpair. Uh, this guy's giving me no indication that he's hit a set, and I highly doubt he has two pair. Yeah, two pair would be real. I, I I would be sick to my stomach if he shows two pair with this this board. Yeah, what two pair could it be? I mean, four. No, like I said, there could. It, I, I'm a little more willing to accept that there's a sneaky set here than than you are, but I I think it's um less likely. So I'm with you on that. Uh, I think most likely is is again some kind of queen here. Yeah, like king queen queen jack. I mean, to me, it just feels like if I had a set. I would have check raised the flop if I check raised, because then I would have got some more money out of the guy. Or I would have bet out on this turn with two spades, two clubs. Because then, you, if you don't bet here, you run the risk of the guy checking behind and making his flush. So you'd want to put money in. So you don't check raise here. So right. I, check raise doesn't make sense to me now. Okay. All right. Our hero tank calls. He said it, it probably took about twenty seconds, but it felt like thirty minutes. <laughs> Wow, tank calls. Jeez. And uh, the pot is squiggly 275 going to the river, which is the 10 of hearts. So our final board, queen, 7, 4, 5, 10. No flush gets there. And a small blind, of course, goes all in for a little more than 100 bucks. Yeah, I, I mean, I was going to shove, so I, I don't think I can fold for that now. There's so much out there. That's 375. I have an overpair. No real straights and no flushes. So, I mean, yeah, I, and no, no two pair makes sense either. Yeah, that ten is a napkin to me, right? So, right, unless it's queen ten, that's the only thing. But uh, okay, yeah. Okay. But he wouldn't have done that with queen ten on the. He wouldn't have check raise with queen ten. I don't. Think. Yeah, queen queen ten would I, that would really make me sick if he turns over queen ten when we raise twelve bucks under the gun plus one and calls from the small blind with queen ten. Yeah, and then doesn't get frisky on the flop and then uh, check raises the one forty five on the turn and then gets lucky and hits that that second pair. Yeah, that that would be all kinds of sick. So. The other thing too is like, you think the check raise is because he doesn't really believe us, but then we call, so he has to know his, if he has a queen, he's beat. You know what I mean? So then, what gives him the courage to bet a hundred now with just a queen? He can only beat a bluff. You know that's interesting. I, I yeah, you're right. Because here's the thing: if you you're right, if you if we're sitting on a naked queen here and we called at this point, I mean, why not just check it? And if we shove, you're going to put the money in anyhow, right? Because there's so much in there. 
I mean, why, why risk it if you don't have to, right? Yeah, that's scary now. I'm almost talking myself into a fold, but I don't think I'm going to. Yeah, right. But that being said, I still don't know what the hand is. I mean, if that's the case, I mean, the most likely to me would be a set of sevens or set of fours. Wow. Yeah, I don't think so. I think uh, I, I have to call. It's almost four to one on my money, and I've got an overpair, and the hand just it just doesn't make sense. It's not adding up to a hand that beats me. It's just not. I mean, unless it, like I said, if the guy somehow said, I'm just going to get cute because I don't know how this guy plays, and I flop a set of sevens, you know, he, he called the raise with the pocket sevens, and then he's like, you know what? It's just pretty innocuous, this board. Yeah, there's spades, but I'm not really worried about it. It's perfect for queen seven four, you know. And then he's hoping we have, like, ace queen. So it just seems like he would come alive on the turn and not with a check raise. You know, he would see two flushes out there. Now he'd say, okay, i got to get my value for my set of sevens. I just don't think – I think we had this guy beat. I think he's got some sort of queen king or queen jack or something. Yeah, yeah. and here's the other thing is we tend to overthink some of these things when we're here, right? I'm like, why, why would the small blind shove here if he didn't? Uh, that's a little scary, but – you know, a lot of t- especially in a one two, these players are not thinking on that level, right? So they don't realize that this hundred dollar bet is not scary. <laughs> um, so they actually think that you know maybe they'll get us to fold with this hundred bucks, where we're sitting here going, "Well, we're not going to fold," yep. until we start thinking that uh, why is he betting that, right? So I'm not putting a lot of stock on that. So yeah, I, it, to me, I always say it's an easy call, but it's a seventy five percent easy call. <laughs> Yeah, and in the hand of the week, we always think we lose because that's why they send it in because they want to know a better way to play the hand. But I, I just can't get past this. This hand doesn't make sense to me, so I'm calling. All right. Our hero tank calls uh, as well. And he says, I end up winning the hand. He had ace-queen unsuited for a top pair top kicker. Uh, he says, I don't think the ace was a spade. If it was, I hate his play even more because that would have removed a lot of my spade draws. Uh, he said, for the record, I hate both my play and his here, but I hate his more. I think that he should uh, check, call the flop, and turn, and maybe bet out the river. By check raising the turn, I suppose he's uh, charging me to potentially draw to a club or spade, but he's folding almost everything else uh, that he beats so far, and he's discouraging me from betting into him uh, with worse on the river. Basically, he's trying to stop the hand early when he's ahead, but ensuring that the, he loses the maximum when he's behind. I I recognize this because I spent about four years doing the same thing, and it's dumb. <laughs> he says, for my side, uh, I like the bet sizing on the flop and turn on the turn. I think uh, that his line is screaming, I flopped a set or maybe two pair, and I'm afraid of you catching a flush and giving our stack sizes. I think that the $100 raise was really a $200 raise. There's no way the other $100 wasn't going in and on the river. I think I should fold that until I see him do the same thing with two spades. Well, the one thing that I'll disagree with was you said something about um, he's charging me to draw, and I thought, well, that's not right because if he wants to charge you, he bets out. He doesn't check and give you a free shot at not in getting your draw. So I think he bets out on the turn. It doesn't make sense to now to check raise saying he's charging you for. Yeah, it. he had to feel pretty confident you were going to bet there because otherwise, I mean, that's a pretty dangerous free card to give there with two uh, two spades, two clubs out there, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Uh, but again, again, it goes back. Maybe I, I just play faster than other people. But if I had ace queen here again, I'm 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 raising I check raising that flop now. I'm going to let the aggressor get some money in, and then I'm going to let him know I've got something because I don't believe that that he's got something. And then I would have been completely wrong here, <laughs> and would have lost my stack one way or the other. But um, that's why I thought that the ace queen was kind of interesting there. Doyle so. Brunson would tell you to bet out 
not check raise. Yeah, well, that's true too. He, yep. One, he would yep. say check raising is for beginners, but he would also say that you're supposed to have a hand there because you raise under the gun or under the gun plus one. You're supposed to have something like kings there, you know, or, or you know, or jacks or something or whatever, ace king or something. And if you ha- if you think you have him beat, you'd bet out with your ace queen. If you don't think you have him beat, then yeah. You, so that's you a don't. good point. So at this point, the way he played it, then he ha- he was probably being cautious that we had a hand like we did, right? Yeah. So if that's the case, then why check raise on the turn? Why, if you're going to take that line, I think you check call the way to the end and just hope that your queen is good. Yeah, I'm right? thinking he doesn't believe us, and that's what it is. So he calls, and then when he lets us bet the turn because he knows we're going to bet again, then when he doesn't, he check raises, is thinking, I really think you have ace king, and you're just trying to float, not float, you're trying to uh, just represent it that you have something like kings or aces, but I think you only have ace king. Maybe that's why he check raised. I don't know. Other than that, I, I just can't put a line on why he would do that. Yeah, interesting. Uh, yeah, interesting well, hand. Good pot, though. It's always nice to win with a pocket pair. doesn't happen all that often. The best part is he played it well for a 40-something. <laughs> if, if he was 20, then I would say all this <laughs> dumb stuff that he's been saying, you know, this is dumb and all that. But no, I, because you're in your 40s, you played it just like we would because we're in our 40s. So you did well and you won the pot. That's all that matters. <laughs> I'm Chris Casenza. And I'm Scott Long. We'll see you at the table. Anti-Up is a production of antiupmagazine.com. Contact the show at podcast at antiupmagazine.com or call our hotline at 206-338-6344. If you'd like to advertise, send an email to advertising at antiupmagazine.com or call 727-331-4335. Some music used in this episode comes courtesy of the Podsafe Music Network. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.